0: Hi, this is Jared Emerson Johnson, and you're listening to The Sound Architect.
1: Hello, welcome to The Sound Architect. I am your host, Sam Hughes, and I am joined by the incredible Jared Emerson Johnson today. Thank you for joining us, Jared. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. I'm sure it's a lot sunnier there than it is here right now. <laughs>
0: it's actually pouring rain right now in,
1: in no up way. here in
0: Northern California. Yeah, it was, it's been a very strange weather year here. It was it was really hot and then it was really cold and now it's this whole week it's going to be raining.
1: Wow. Okay, well that makes a change. But yeah. <laughs> you're quite grateful for it though over there, aren't you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we are always happy when it's raining.
1: <laughs> yeah, we get quite bored of it. Over yeah, here. I I, I can imagine. <laughs> so, before we discuss your recent work, tell us how you first began your journey into game audio. Yeah. Um well, I
0: I came into it probably later than than some others did in terms of even just becoming a composer, I, um, you know, I, I was a musician from a young child and I played violin and um, sort of took it from the performer angle, but it wasn't until yeah. sort of midway through college that I started to uh, really get a deep uh, interest in composition specifically. And, but yeah. once I started that, it kind of snowballed and, and I got really interested in that and sort of at the same time, actually in college, I was getting more and more interested in the music Uh, of games specifically like i was really drawn to the um the old lucas arts adventure games and those kind of more um puzzly story story based games they just really got my attention i think it was it was definitely i think grim fandango was the first oh fantastic listening to the music and realizing like oh my god this is like this is incredible this is something i would be totally happy to do if possible yeah so i i um kept at it and i started trying to make some contacts with people doing the music. And I specifically actually reached out to the, the kind of original three LucasArts composers, Mike Land, Peter McConnell, and Clint Bajekian, and just saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm Jared. I'm, you know, finishing up college. And, um, do you, do any of you need any help? You know, do you need an intern for a summer or something like that? And, um, both Mike and Peter were, were busy, but didn't have any need. But Clint got back to me and said, Hey, actually, I'm just about to have to do this kind of rush job. Um, writing a a big orchestral score in the next course of the next like five weeks. And I need some someone to help with all the kind of part preparation and the sort of the boring (laughs) grunt work of getting (laughs) all the scores ready for the musicians. And I said, great. Um, So I ended up working with him that whole summer. And um, this was the summer between my junior and senior year of of college. And it was a great experience. And he was he was an incredible teacher. And so I learned a, a whole lot about the specifics of composing for games. Um, in that summer, we, we parted ways at the end of the summer and it was great. We ended up, you know, going up to Seattle and recording this great big orchestra. So it was this kind of incredible introduction to, to it.
1: That's amazing. What an experience.
0: Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And then I went back to college and finished my last year and and kept in touch with him, um, throughout. And when it was time to graduate, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, any chance you want to have me work there? on a full-time basis. (laughs) And he was, he said, yeah. So I started out, um, I, you know, I moved back to California and uh, started uh, working with Clint at his studio and uh, for Bay Area Sound, the company I still work for now. And then, you know, about a year or so later, Clint actually left um, the company and took a job as a music supervisor down at Sony. And so I kind of uh, inherited the title of of lead composer <laughs> for a very... Oh so, wow, nice! Yeah, and so it was, it was. It was a very quick and extremely lucky um, kind of uh, sequence of events that that got me into it, and then it just kind of went from there. I've just been doing it ever since. That was like nearly fifteen years ago. So
1: yeah, and, and, and you know, in terms of luck, it's only partial luck, right? Because I mean, you reached out. You, you actually were proactive. And-
0: yeah, I mean, I was. I was. Uh, I was ready to do the work, and I I knew how to do enough to be able to start doing it. And then I learned the rest <laughs> very quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I guess you had to, but, but, there but yeah, I mean, there's, but there's a lot of talented people. And so just, just, you know, in my experience, when I, especially when I'm talking with, um, you know, young composers who are interested in sort of breaking into the games industry, like I caution them because it's like that getting that first job is absolutely the hardest thing. And then of course, once you've started doing it, then you can get more work easily because you have a a, a whole, body of work to point to sure yeah of course getting that first job is 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 the real trick of it and and it does usually require some amount of luck and a a lot of work
1: (laughs) yeah definitely and you know it's one of those things where as they say you know to get your foot in the door is how your career begins isn't it yeah
0: that's That's certainly true of of almost of almost every industry i think it's especially tricky in games now just because 15 years ago games were starting to really blow up into what they are now but um, it was still in that kind of transition period. So there weren't quite as many people looking to break into game audio. Whereas now yeah. I think it's a very, you know, all, all the people who are 18, 19, 20 years old now grew up with all, you know, with games as big as they are now. Um, and so it's kind of a different world. I, I I always say, you know, I think a lot of people in my generation grew up wanting to do stuff for films and, and TV. Cause that was, that was the, I, I'm a 36. So that, that kind of gives you a sense of how old. Okay. And we all grew up wanting to, you know, work in films. And that was kind of the big flashy entertainment. I suppose job. that and was think,
1: what was big then, you know.
0: It's re- exactly. And it's really, I f- think, shifted now. And um, games, are, games are the big thing. Films are still big, too. but Oh, yeah. I'd but, say games are bigger now, though. Yeah, certainly. Especially for young people.
1: Yeah. And, it's uh, a, you know, people are hyper aware of them almost, you know. Right. Yeah. And especially more attention to soundtracks, more attention to audio. It's much more competitive now than it used to be.
0: Absolutely, but you can still you can still do it. <laughs> and because it's it's blown up so big, um, there are more people making more things, which means we do need more composers. You know, for for all these games that are.
1: Yeah, and the indie scene is quite surprisingly um, successful for a lot of composers. You know, a lot of composers get their first start in the indie scene now.
0: Absolutely, and and some people can sort of make a whole career just doing those those types of games, really, and have good success with it. Yeah, so.
1: definitely. Now, as you've said, you're the lead composer at Bay Area Sound, right? Mm-hmm. So you've not only uh, done composition, though, while well, you've been there, have you? You've also done sound design and voice directing.
0: Correct, yeah. Yeah, we um, we make it a point to, to learn how to do as, as many aspects of the audio uh, production as possible because you never know what, <laughs> what a job's going to need. And a lot of the, ti- a lot of the times that, um, a client will want more than just one of those three things and so the fact that we can all um share that work is very useful and it's honestly I think having a sense of how the production pipelines for all of those different aspects of the audio work um improves you overall like you know knowing how knowing how sound design works and how to be a good sound designer helps your composition and knowing how to write music well and produce it well helps understanding how to process voice in a way that you know, works best. And it's, they, all, they all sort of inform on each other. So that I think the having at least a good familiarity with all three can, it makes you stronger all around.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they all have transferable skills between the three, don't they? Right. And how do you get your head in the right space for each of those positions? You know, if one minute you're kind of heads down writing music, the next minute you've got to go into a directing session, and then another minute you've got to be creating sound design for a project.
0: Yeah. I mean, I... I really thrive on it because it um, just the variety is, is a lot of fun. So, I mean, you do have to get into a different head, head space, especially, I mean, the, the difference between uh, sound design and music is less um, striking than the difference between both of them and voice direction, because for that, you're, you're, you're in the booth, you're locked in the booth for however many hours um, and having to interact with other people like sound design and, and music composition tend to be fairly solo lonely <laughs> jobs um, but uh, voice direction you know it's an interaction it's an it's a, a relationship and a dynamic between you and the writers and the um, and the talent and so I, I really like that because it can get it can get a bit lonesome just being locked locked away <laughs> writing music uh, so yeah getting out and, and being able to work with an actor it's exciting and it kind of re-energizes you for going back and then and then thinking about the music Um, Like, you know, especially with a lot of the Telltale games that I've spent a lot of my time working on, um, being in on those voice sessions was a huge help for the music because you you really have a sense of not just what the story is, but how it's, you know, how it's going to sound with the characters, the the emotional impact and and knowing the actors and kind of knowing, you know, what's interesting to them about the characters is a huge help for writing themes and, and, and kind of capturing that emotional through line that you need for the score.
1: Well, yeah, it brings them to life, doesn't it? So you can understand the character even more. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I,
0: it, there's a bit of, you know, headspace preparation, but it's, for me, I, I enjoy kind of bouncing, bouncing between them. Although, honestly, the, in the last couple of years, I've been spending the majority of my time just doing music because there's just been so much of it.
1: Which is not um, a bad thing.
0: No, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's been great.
1: Yeah, yeah. You must be loving it. Yeah. So when it, with regards to composition then what would you say your approach is
0: well I um, it depends of course on the on the type of game that it is um, yeah but you know I, like I was saying I, I spent a lot of my I've spent a lot of my career working in narrative games and games with story games with characters and for those types of games um, it really is all about getting a really good sense of the flow of the script and the who these characters are and um, how they, you know, how they relate to each other. And then from, you know, from there, usually I start by picking out a few um, sort of main themes for, for the whole story, you know, whether it's a place or a character or a relationship or something like that. Um, and sort of developing those, finding this, finding the sounds for those and, they, and then they can kind of they become like the signposts that the rest of this score can kind of hang on. Um, and, you know, then you you have all these themes and you can, you know, interweave little light motifs here and there and um, follow the story that way.
1: So would you say you have a particular philosophy when it comes to composition?
0: Um, well, for me, again, it, there's a difference between like a casual mobile game and a narrative game, but I, I mean, I'm going to mostly talk about my approach with narrative stuff because that that's sort of what is the most interesting to me and, and what I've spent most of my time doing. But with narrative, um, I think... You have to start from a place of like, what you know, where do we need the music? Why do we need the music? And what is what is the music benefiting in the thing? Because I think you know, I think it's easy to run into the habit of kind of plaster, you know, wallpapering the music over every moment of every scene, and that can be um, it can just sort of lessen the overall impact of it. So it's really like yeah. carving out space for silence. Actually, is a huge part of where I like to start from. making sure you know that the music is is there for a reason like when when it comes in it's it's reacting to something that the player is doing or has done or is about to do or something that's just about to happen in the story um so i like to i start from that um i i'm a big believer in in sort of the collaborative spirit so I, i really like to um talk a lot with the directors and the designers about as many options as possible about instrumentation and orchestration and um you know, when, when you're starting a new project, finding, not just assuming that the sound is going to be any specific thing, but really kind of working with them to bounce ideas back and forth. And, you know, what about this? And uh, usually there's a period of doing a lot of uh, listening to reference material and, and you know, listening to other scores and listening to other types of music and sending tracks back and forth um, just for inspiration. I usually, and I usually end up with a big kind of uh, like listening playlist. Of just all sorts of random things for each game that in in the month before writing anything, um, I'll just be going back and forth with the directors and the writers and kind of getting excited about a sound. And then of course with some games, the they're you know either a sequel or they're tied in with a movie or something that where there is already kind of an established sound. And for those, you know what it's going to sound like. Um, so we don't, we don't get to go through that process with those, which is fine. But it's, I, I really like with the original uh, the original games, the original stories, um, that kind of early period of divining what the sound ought to be.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's awesome. So I was going to ask, because as you said, you, you work on so many different titles and you work on an amazing amount of, of huge IPs as well in terms right. of the content that you're working on. Um, and I was going to ask, like, do you have much restriction with regards to the music when given certain projects?
0: Yeah, it it varies. Again, it varies hugely from project to project and, and what kind of deal okay. what yeah. kind of deal the client has with the licensor um, for like going going way back. I know for like uh, the Telltale Back to the Future and Jurassic Park games, um, they they had licensed the, a single uh, track from the soundtrack. Um, sort of the main what, you know, what in Back to the Future is the main da, 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 yeah. da, da. There, there's one track that was licensed and and included in that license was the ability to quote and recreate that theme throughout. So we could use the, the recording, but then we could also quote the theme. And, you know, it's important that you be able to do that. So for those, we were able to do that. Um, but it was only, you know, we could only quote the themes that are in that one piece. So if there was some little other thing that happened somewhere else, uh, we wouldn't be allowed to copy that without getting another license. Um, but then for like the game of Thrones uh, game that we did, um, there was no, uh, no allowed licensing of, of it. So we, we actually weren't even able to quote that. Da, 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 da.
1: Oh, um, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So we had, to,
0: <laughs> we had to kind of evoke a similar feeling, but we couldn't actually use the main theme. I think we, we were, the, the one thing we were allowed to use was the Reigns of Castamere, um, but we couldn't actually quote it we could only use the rec- uh, the recording right. from the show. Yeah.
1: I find that interesting considering they were using the actors from the show
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's always there's always budget budgeting um, considerations with things and I think of that, course that, that, yeah. that, and and actually you'd be surprised with with some of the big um companies out there just like some things are just for like off the table from the beginning yeah. i don't I don't really know what. I don't. I never really ask why. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. ask, is there any way we can get it? I did ask that actually with this, but but um, uh, it was a hard. It was a firm thing from the beginning. So I just I work with the constraints that are handed to me, and and uh, you know it worked fine. It would have been nice yeah, to be able to use reason. that one in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, for example, in uh, in Tales from the Borderlands, we basically had access to the entire catalog of all the music from all the Borderlands games and could kind oh, of do wow. do whatever we wanted with with the recordings or sound alike stuff and th- there were um, no really no restrictions there.
1: Do you think Gearbox. that's because it was from a gaming IP as opposed to a yeah, digital IP?
0: It, well cuz you know the music licensing is very like for films is um a lot more restrictive because there's things like royalties <laughs> and the, the people like <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, with games I mean there's some of that too but but it's a lot you know it's it's much more common for it to be a buyout when you work on a game and so they they just own it outright and they can use it the, the company that owns right, the music okay. can use it however they want um
1: that's fair enough really, in
0: perpetuity it? yeah it's it's good for them <laughs> uh, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as as we said like the, the telltale games that you've scored uh there's such varying genres in there
0: how, yeah how do
1: you tackle each project and, and make sure that you you kind of get the right feel for that genre
0: well it, it's um it's a lot of fun really because it, it is sort of like a new like every project feels like a new job even even though the tools we're using every time are the same and it's it's yeah. all composition but it, it it can feel very much like a totally different a totally different job going from especially like you know Borderlands and Game of Thrones were happening at the same time and then the third season of Walking Dead and and um, Guardians of the Galaxy and the Batman the second Batman season all three of those were overlapping and so when when you're like working on multiple projects at the same time it can be um a little uh a little crazy but also a lot of fun and i'll, I'll usually yeah. try to divide it up like one day and another day if i can make that work with the schedule so that i'm not having to in one single day write something for all three or work on something for all three i'll try to be like all right today's a
1: batman day you know, <laughs> get in, get into
0: that mopey headspace and, and do that get all broody yeah exactly <laughs>
1: I mean, that must be awesome in itself that you get to say, right, today's a Batman day.
0: Oh, yeah. It's it's yeah, it's incredible.
1: It's and do you have a either a favorite game or a favorite track that you've written
0: of of my stuff? Gosh, that is a that is an interesting question. It's so hard to choose because they are so different and I like different things about different ones. I mean, I I know in terms of the audience, probably the I mean, there are a few different camps, but I, the games I get asked about the most are Wolf Among Us and Borderlands, probably, Tales from the Borderlands. Um, and those are very high up there for me as well. Um, I had a really good time doing the, the live orchestra um, sort of main theme for the Tales from the Borderlands finale. That was uh, pretty great. Um, yeah,
1: I bet that was pretty epic.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Well it was it was it was interesting because um, we'd we'd had a main theme uh, for the first four episodes of the season and, and it was fun and, and big and more kind of in the sort of frontier um country sound. And then this idea came up to do a, a big broad orchestral version of it for the finale episode because finally you know finally in this story for those who haven't played it in the story like finally by the end the whole group is together and it's all building to this big thing and they're really adventuring and the, f- the first few episodes are kind of setting all that up and so um we were you know it was fun because we had this existing theme and but we were going to be arranging it for this big live orchestra um production and, and rather than just you know print it out and, and have the orchestra record it as it already existed we wanted to really feature the fact that we had live players and that it was going to be this big um, sort of finale version of the familiar theme and so it it turned into this big I think I can't remember how long but like six or seven minute long big mega uh, version of all the big themes from the season and um, that was really fun to work on Uh, and I'm really happy with how it came out and I do get asked about that piece a lot so I would I'll I'll defer to the I'll defer to the fans and say sure sure that's probably it (laughs) nice Um, deflect yeah (laughs) but I I I really do love all the projects um even the even the unpopular ones or the less popular ones um you know it's I I I just get into the you know I'm never really bored working on anything and so I kind of get into the nuances of whatever particular story we're telling
1: yeah that makes sense I mean, I have to admit that um, I will say that the two favorites I have are Tales from the Borderlands and The Wolf Among Us. So yeah, okay. one of the, one of the general population. You're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about Tales from the Borderlands, though, um, what I find quite interesting is that each episode has an opening track. Um, that's like yes. a, a mainstream release track, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have an input on which ones were chosen, or was that just something that the directors and producers were like, right, we want to open that one That was track.
0: pretty much the directors and producers. The, um nick herman and uh i guess it was mostly nick herman it was there were a few people that were but really passionate about um about those and have a really good taste in music and a good sense of it and so i know he and uh the producer adam saracen uh spent a lot of time figuring that out and, and i don't think they needed any input from anyone else and they obviously picked great stuff so that was pretty much all them um the sequences are so awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the, I have to admit, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite Telltale games. I think because of the humor in it as well was so refreshing. Like, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, especially after all, <laughs> all this sad Walking Dead. It was just like, oh, God, thank <laughs> God.
1: Something, yeah, something light over crying. Yeah, then, I know, oh. really. Uh, but no, yeah, it was brilliant. And um, did you get to have a lot more fun with the score as well because of that, that it had sure. this much lighter feel? I mean, Absolutely, you know,
0: especially coming off of um, The Walking Dead uh, first two seasons and um, Wolf Among Us and Game of Thrones, all those were happening. Those were the things I had been working on the previous year or two. And so, yeah, getting into something way more, um, way more fun and silly was, was great. And also like, it's fun because the type of music that it is, um, I was able to play a lot of the instruments on it myself. Um, you You know, if it's big orchestral stuff, I can only do so much, but since there was a lot of guitar and harmonica and violin and, instruments that I can play. It was fun to just kind of spend a lot of time just recording stuff um, myself and playing around oh, with that. Oh, yeah, I bet. So, that was cool. I, that I, was cool. I, I really liked the the kind of hybrid style that... Um, well, I mean, it's a style that was defined by the earlier games, obviously, the, the Gearbox games, but um, that sort of hybrid electronic and folky country frontier style music was was neat to play around with and
1: fun. yeah it's a good mix isn't it it's a really nice blend of kind of futuristic but also desolate wasteland approach right yeah um but yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask actually circling back to what you just said that like, how many instruments do you play and what would you say your main instrument is well
0: my main in my main one is the violin that's what i i started on um and that's <laughs> I, I i can play a, a number of other instruments i wouldn't say i'm fantastic on most of them (laughs) but i can i can get by i play a lot of um play a lot of violin i play a lot of ukulele these days i i have a jug band um oh cool so we play i play a lot of ukulele in that and um and i sing so i would say violin and singing are probably my two main um things that i feel confident saying i play at like a professional level um i can play the piano i can play guitar um I can make a sound on a clarinet.
1: No, I know what you mean. I'd say I'm, I'm mainly a guitarist and singer myself, uh-huh. but uh, I, I would say I dabble in others. Exactly. So what would you say is the, the biggest challenge with your role? One of the biggest challenges you've come across so far working as a composer on these games?
0: Ah, that's a very interesting question. Um, I mean, a lot of the time it can be the schedule because music is often coming in sort of toward the end of production on things. And so, it can be a little crunchy. It can, you know, it can be these bursts of needing to do a whole lot in a short amount of time. It's not always that way, um, but managing that time is a challenge, uh, and something you really have to be good at is uh, personal time management. Um, let's see, that's that's the main one. I mean, I, I think that um, occasionally you'll you'll uh, find yourself not necessarily meeting eye to eye with a director or a designer on, on the sound or the style that works best. And it can, and sometimes it can be hard to land on the, the sound that is going to work for everybody. And, you know, I don't, you know, I never put my foot down or anything if they don't, you know, if they don't like something that I like, I mean, obviously there's, there's more than one right way to do something. So even just because yeah. I have a cool idea about how something out of sound doesn't mean it's the only way or even the best way. So, um, but it can be sometimes hard, especially, uh, working with, um, directors who maybe don't have a musical vocabulary to try to, try to like tease out the direction that will make it clear what, what will make them <laughs> yeah, happy. That's always a fun one. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but that can be fun too. I mean, it's funny, it's a challenge, but it can be, it can be interesting because it's like trying to, you know, like I was saying about reference material, you know, you a lot of the times in a, a lot of the time in those situations, um, the best way to do it is by putting things, you know, in front of their ears, so they can listen and be like, Oh, I like this. This one's great. Oh, no, this isn't any good. And, and from that, you can start to kind of interpolate, Oh, okay, so that this is what they're, this is what they're really saying here. This is what they want. Even if they don't have the words,
1: yeah, it's always a classic one, that isn't it? It's bridging the gap with that language barrier, right? And uh, exactly like you say, it's like okay, so let's just give them a few, see what they yeah. like and what they don't like, and then I can sort of figure out what they like. <laughs> definitely
0: don't, and definitely don't go too far down any road until everything is very clearly approved. And you know, don't do not <laughs> yeah. do don't, don't do too much work before you know what they
1: want. Oh yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, the time constraint must be. Yeah. I mean for for most composers it's one of the hardest things to come across because obviously it's creative, right? And you've got to be in the right place or yeah. you can't wait till you're in the right place, you've just got to get crack on and it it's tricky. It is. Yeah. And on the flip side then we've discussed your favorite tracks, but would you say there is a a moment that you're most proud of or a project that you're most proud of?
0: Well, um most proud of. I I'm pretty proud of what we, what we landed on for The Wolf Among Us, I mean, I think that that, that was a, you know, it was a completely original idea for the soundtrack. Um, you know, the, there was no previous IP for it. And it um, we went through a lot of, that, that's an example of one where we spent a whole lot of time trying out different ideas for the, what we wanted the music to be like. And um, finding that kind of balance that's like a little bit, a little bit retro, but not, on the nose, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not eighties music, but it's evocative of some of that time and evocative of some of the film scores from that time. Um, But also with other elements that sort of capture the magic of the world of the fables and all that, Um, that, that was, um, it was sort of a hard fought sound because we spent, I mean, probably months. I mean, we, I intentionally started talking about it with them early because I knew it was going to be kind of a hard, um, uh, concept to draw out but we uh, we finally uh, you know, after several weeks of just long meetings and talks and brainstorming um, landed on that sound and then over the course of the season it sort of evolved as well you, know, you, st- you sort of start from a narrow idea of like okay we like this, we like this we like this so let's start making music and then as it grows what falls into the sort of palette of sounds that you use in that score uh, grows a little bit too so um that was that was one of them. I mean I, I I'm it's going way back now. I'm awfully proud of um all the all the old Sam and Max scores. I mean I I had so much fun and those were, you know, earlier, you know, this more than 10 years ago now. Um, oh
1: wow. Yeah, i forget that that long ago.
0: They uh yeah, I know it's like time <laughs> it just disappears. Time marches on. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean that was so much fun and just working with um you know they, those games did not have a, a large budget at all um at all and so but working with the live musicians and kind of making the score and uh, talk, talking about you know comic games and um fun and silliness like i think that the style of music in those is probably maybe the closest to the music that i enjoy playing and hearing the most yeah in life and so that that was really fun. and i have Especially with the Devil's Playhouse, the third season of um Sam and Max games, yeah,
1: I really enjoyed that one actually.
0: It was fun because it, we had the kind of the build up from the previous two seasons, so we we had this big palette of different sounds that fit in and and there was that kind of funny seventies aesthetic to that whole season. Everything was a little bit I mean it wasn't it wasn't a period it wasn't set in the seventies, but just the look and the feel of it was sort of more kind of funky. Um, yeah and it just yeah it felt like the culmination of of a lot of uh, a lot of hard work and fun i could talk about pretty much every project and, and <laughs> name it as my favorite
1: um it must but, get to that point where you've done so much it's hard to even like they're all like your kids right it's just yeah they really are and they
0: also <laughs> like at this point they kind of represent different periods of my life as well and so the sam and mac
1: stuff oh wow yeah I very
0: nostalgic thinking back to that and i would love to someday somehow someday do it, do another one of those games somehow, I don't know if anyone's listening who who wants to make a Sam and Max game and wants to talk to Steve Purcell,
1: <laughs> what I was going to ask actually, what happened to the i p for that? I can't remember what where sam I'm max not is actually at.
0: sure well you know it's it's owned by Steve Purcell, the the creator of it, and I don't know if Telltale still has a license to do like for the option to do more now or yeah. not um yeah, I'm not actually sure
1: okay, well, I'd definitely be interested in another Sam and max yeah. <laughs>
0: Same here. Yeah, be fine get the get the band back together yeah exactly
1: um now I just wanted to quickly ask about what you've recently had going on on Twitter as well oh yeah um because obviously you you had a vote recently yes on the on the most epic theme yeah and uh <laughs> funnily enough the extended tales from the Borderlands theme won. yeah exactly uh, so um, By a it, landslide, quite, <laughs> quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it was fun. That was just something that came about because I was I was um, chatting with with um, some of the other people here, various on Connor, Stock, and Julian Kwasniewski, and we were just talking about you know, like what you know, what of the recent stuff it, it would be considered the most epic of all the big stuff, and because there's been a lot of you know, it's been a lot of superhero and and big epic scores in the last couple of years, and we we're like, what, what what would be like the biggest baddest one of them and um we we all kind of had different favorites and so and i was thinking like you know this is actually an interesting question we should we should open this up and and take take a poll just see see what people think and then of course it like i think 70 percent of all votes were for uh the borderlands theme yeah it was
1: really high wasn't it yeah
0: but it was uh, yeah it was fun it was and uh, you know I'm, i wanted to do more more kind of outreach to fans and stuff and I, i'm i am gonna i'm planning to do a little write-up About, I talked about a little bit earlier, but just a a write up about the, um, how that piece came about and the whole process and, and the recording process and just sort of some behind the scenes information about it and maybe include some pictures and stuff from this.
1: Well, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd be really interested to see that. So do you have any go to, let's talk tech for a moment. Do you have any go to tools? Um, I mean, for example, what door are you using to start with? And do you have any go to plugins?
0: I still, um, I still use Digital Performer. I know that that's like not not uh not as many people use that these days, but I know it really uh I just know it so well. I love it. Um and it's been the one I've used and I just uh it's like a, I don't have there's no barrier. It's I can it just kind of goes from me into digital performer and I uh, <laughs> don't have to think about think about it as software. Um I use that for the composition, uh and then um I still do mixing in pro tools separately and i i kind of intentionally even though you you know with any modern daw you can um do yeah. the mixing within it but i still like to um dub stems and and mix in pro tools because i feel like it forces you to stop being a composer for a moment and and be an engineer and actually you know cuz otherwise you just start you start the mix and then you're like oh maybe i maybe this bassoon line should actually be up an octave okay and then you, you kind of go back into composition mode and i like to reach a point where it's like okay the piece is done no more composing allowed and now now (laughs) we just need to take it in and mix it um so yeah those are the main two that i use the most often as far as favorite plugins i mean i um i love omnisphere for synth stuff yeah i I use it almost all the time even on projects that aren't very synth dominant um i
1: well it has a lot of options right
0: oh yeah it's really cool and then um you know Hollywood brass, and Hollywood strings. I still, I still think they're for for big, you know, big orchestral sound. They're still some of my favorite um, for orchestral sampled stuff. What else? There's a cool little synth called Silent that I
1: really oh, like. Oh, okay.
0: Um, it's it's not as uh sort of universal and ubiquitous as omnisphere as far as like having so many different op- options but for specific kind of uh sounds it's it's kind of neat um
1: i, I use that a lot that, in the so.
0: batman score yeah it, it gives this kind of mechanical uh synthy sound to a lot of stuff okay and it's not it's pretty inexpensive if i recall you should check it out it's it's useful for some things those are the those are the main ones that i that i use pretty much on everything I would say.
1: awesome so for a lot of our our listeners they may be aspiring composers or composers people who want to write music for games as well as films um what advice do you have for them is there any common uh you know trips and falls that you've come across is there any particular do's and particular don'ts
0: yeah for people starting out i think the most important thing is to um be as as sort of versatile as you can be because when when that kind of lucky break does come um you want to be you want to be ready that moment for whatever the specific task is that you're asked to do. So, you know, if you're really good at writing um, big orchestral, uh, sweeping thematic scores, but not you know not you don't really have jazz chops and you don't really know how to make an, an interesting small combo sound thing, you might want to spend some time practicing that because you might get your first job and it's to it's to do a small combo jazz thing and it's like, Oh, well, I, and then you're having to kind of fake it and learn it in the moment. (laughs) And, and then maybe you don't get, you know, you don't get that second job after, after it's over. So, uh, yeah, get, get as good as you can at as many different types of writing as you can, I would say. And, and of course, listening, I mean, to me, like that's the most important thing really. Uh, and I know, I mean, people, have different creative processes but for me like just listening and listening to music that isn't even your favorite kind of music or music that you love but getting out of your um the zone of just like oh i like this stuff so i'm going to listen to this all the time but listen to listen to stuff that you don't love and and kind of study it that way and get to know what other people are doing because um i think it just it just builds up your list of tricks and skills um that you can you can use on your own stuff in a way that you do enjoy um so you listen to film scores listen to game scores listen to uh, interesting bands go and and go see live music too especially if you're um a composer who mostly works with samples and stuff go go out and go to the opera go to the symphony you know take note of how you know how actual musicians play these things and what kinds of lines are written for which instruments and I think there's so much to be learned from seeing live music and, and listening to as much as you possibly can. Oh yeah, can.
1: definitely. Especially as like you say, when you're used to working with virtual instruments, you need to actually understand Yeah how a person plays it.
0: Cause it's so you it's so um there's no consequence for you can just do anything with samples, you know, you, you can ha- you can write lines that are impossible and they don't they won't end up sounding as good as a line that is playable. And then also, yeah. you know, at some point you, you want to be able to write stuff that people can actually play you know so yeah get, getting used to that even if you don't have the opportunity to um work with an orchestra you know or, or work with live musicians th- you know try to think about that as much as you can i would say
1: yeah i mean i think one of the classic ones is with, like brass players and woodwind that seem to go on forever yes yeah <laughs> <they're> yeah <laughs> you, you do
0: have to breathe that is <laughs> important yeah so just just starting to think about that and, and listening and um, studying as much as possible. <laughs>
1: awesome. Now, we've talked a lot about what you've worked on before and what you've been up to. Um, but can you tell us what you're working on at the moment and what's coming soon?
0: Yeah. So I'm just finishing up the um, the last uh, episode of the Batman game, the Batman the Enemy Within, the second season that Telltale is doing. Really enjoying this season, even more than the first one, it's, um, it's been so much fun playing with all the, the characters that are in this and, and just the, without giving anything away, the, um, the kind of the main tension of the season is just really interesting and really kind of, I think, unique for, for a Batman story. Um, it feels like something I haven't seen done this way before. So it's, that's been really unique. okay, cool. Uh, and then next coming up, um, there is, um, walking dead season four is coming up of course yeah that's awesome. so that's gonna be like like putting on an old comfortable shoes
1: i bet at this point yeah
0: at one point i counted up how many total episodes there's been between the first three seasons plus 400 days and
1: a mission as well yeah
0: and uh it's like i don't even remember how many but it's so many <laughs> yeah it's many many hours of, of music has been written so it's i'm i'm not complaining it's like uh it's really fun to write for that world and i'm especially looking forward to this season because I think it's going to kind of, um, bring things back home more familiar, more like the first season was. Right, okay. and, I, and I think it'll be fun to kind of get back to that sound more. Um, cause it, it sort of kept spreading out into different things. And it always kind of, you know, was in the same, same feeling, but it's going to be fun to kind of go, go back to some of those fundamental sounds that we had in the first one. And, um, so there's that. There's um, Campo Santo's uh, second game is pretty exciting. And um, we don't yet know exactly what we're going to be doing for them on that. But we're going to help them with some of the audio in some capacity. So that uh, is very exciting.
1: Okay, cool. That could be really good. Yeah.
0: They're just such great folks and they make such cool stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, I'm trying to think of other things that I can talk about. <laughs> that aren't aren't uh unannounced yet but that might it's be... always the tricky part yeah games, i know right? well and and so wolf among us season two also oh of course yeah. that's gonna, gonna, gonna be coming that's like that's really exciting um and that's fun because it's you know it isn't like like it's gonna be fun to, to go back to the walking dead where it's like you know it's like a it's very comfortable to write that music at this point because i've done so much of it it's, yeah it, it's like talking almost you know, but yeah. Wolf Among Us, because, you know, there were only the five episodes, um, it'll be fun to kind of go back to that sound and, and maybe broaden what that score is. So that'll be cool. Um, I always I always love doing second seasons. It's the same way with the Batman game, because it's like you kind of finally get to like stretch out a little bit beyond the, the main sound that you establish in the first one.
1: So. Yeah, you get to elaborate a lot more, don't you? Exactly. Awesome.
0: That's what's coming up.
1: Yeah, got a lot of exciting stuff coming. Sounds like it's going to be a busy year for you
0: yeah i think so um yeah it's it it's been busy (laughs) these last several years (laughs) but i like it it's fun and uh it's it's definitely fun to kind of bounce between the different different games different sounds
1: excellent yeah definitely fantastic and so i've just got one last question to finish off with and it's a fun one all right uh it can be the trickiest one for a lot of our guests so i'm interested to see what you come up if i
0: pause for a really long time you can cut it out and (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would just make it sound like it was instant. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> hmm, mm-hmm. So, if you could hang out with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, dude,
0: Why are you doing this tricky, right? Oh, alive <laughs> or dead? Um,
1: I have been known to accept geez. a top three. Ah, in, in tricky circumstances, even that though. Jeez, I know, right? Mine changes monthly. It so. would be yeah.
0: <laughs> um. It would be very fun to hang out with Koji Kondo if I if I if I could suddenly be fluent in Japanese. <laughs> I'm sure he speaks fine <laughs> English actually, but but it would be it would be great to just pick his brain. Um, yeah. Gosh. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something beyond just game music, but.
1: Uh, I think it's a fantastic choice to be honest. Yeah.
0: Well, because you know that's I mean that was the first game music that I ever knew was you know. I had the original NES, you know. And, um,
1: yeah, same. That was pretty much what I grew up with as well. So. And
0: he's been doing game music at a certain level longer than pretty much anyone feel like. And still, <laughs> and it's still like <laughs> at the peak of his form. And it's just like incredible. Um, gosh, I, I'm going to pick two more if I can. But it's going gonna, gonna Go to for pause it. for a second because I have to think of them. <laughs> um, I'm a big Shakespeare guy.
1: Okay, cool.
0: I like Shakespeare... I think it would be interesting to uh to sit around with him and hear like what he was, how, how seriously he was taking all of all of his writing and like what, you know, because there's so much question about about who he was and if he even was a single person and all, all, all that stuff. You know, they, we know stuff about his life, but um, I'd be curious to know because, you know, yeah, that would be that would be good. I'd be into that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, that'd be really cool. Maybe also. Um, oh, I don't know. I think Kanda is the best answer. I'll just I'll just leave it with him, him and <laughs> I think it's a very good choice. Okay. I mean,
1: you know, it could have been a lot harder. I have debated adding in fictional or real as well. Oh, that would no. Just create a whole oh, new no. realm of complications.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that's it's good to keep it it's good to keep it uh somewhat (laughs) contained somewhat (laughs) simple yeah
1: well it's been amazing chatting with you today jared thanks for joining us on the podcast um and we're looking forward to all your projects that are coming out this year and we hope to have another catch up again soon
0: that would be wonderful always happy to talk anytime
1: fantastic well we look forward to that then and have a fantastic day and we'll speak to you soon
0: sounds great take care bye-bye